When I was a little girl, I believed in fairy tales. I wished my toys would come to life and that my stories could be real. Then through all the noise and confusion, I believed it was all an illusion. The world had faded black and white. Nothing seemed to be right. But now I know that how it goes is that my dreams never die. As long as I keep the magic inside me alive, do you believe in magic? When you believe in magic, previously in episode three, Joe met Seamus's mother Mary and learnt all about Scottish cooking. Seamus handed Joe some bagpipes and was surprised when she could play them without a squeak. Back in Australia, Eki's mother was panicking because Eki is missing. Pepper puts two and two together and realises that something is up when Joe is nowhere to be seen. Pepper stayed at Joe's house that night as the family was stressed and Joe's mother was not in a good way. Even Geoffrey displayed concern for his sister's welfare. That sister of mine has really done it this time and you call me the brat. Can't wonder where she is. I suppose that while she's missing, you'll both expect me to do all of her chores. I'm not feeding the blasted animals. They creep me out. But I will look after Charity if, if you let me go down to the creek. In fact, I would look after her heaps better than my stupid dumb sister because I am a boy. Anyhow, Joe is probably hiding because she thinks she mucked up the exam. Can't hide from us forever. Has to face up to it sooner or later. Probably bummed out and wrote rubbish and knows it. But I must admit she usually gets good marks. It's a bit off, don't you think? Hey, if she doesn't come home, can I have her room? I mean, it's heaps bigger than mine and it's got a beaut view of the creek. What do you think? Oh, Geoffrey, I don't think she's hiding because of that reason. You know that essays are her passion. Oh, I really think something awful has happened to her. And no, you cannot have her room anytime soon because she will come home. And, and, and also, no, you cannot go down to the river and look after charity because you're too young. Do you get it, Geoffrey? Look, both of you, she was in the school grounds and she did the exam. So I don't think anything too shocking has happened. It's just a mystery. And this kind of thing does happen sometimes. Dorothy, please do calm down. You're frightening Geoffrey, and that's not fair. She's all right. I can feel it in my bones. Take a deep breath and have a little think. What secret do you and I know about that Joe might have discovered? Dorothy, not really listening, didn't get what Pepper was saying. She started crying and dashed upstairs. <laughs> Oh, <laughs>
Peppa just shook her head and decided to prepare dinner. She will get it in a minute, so better get dinner prepared before the fallout. As predicted, it wasn't long before Dorothy rushed down the stairs. All the colour had drained from her face. Don't tell me that what I am thinking has actually happened. You know something? I am sure you know and haven't told me. Oh, and to make matters worse, we decided not to let Jo know about the creatures until she was much older. You also decided that we wanted her to have an ordinary kind of life without complications. I'm thinking right, aren't I, Pepper? Geoffrey stared at his mum. What on earth was she talking about? Then it struck him that something was up and demanded that it was time to tell him what they were talking about. Why am I always getting left out of stuff around this place? It's not fair. Just because that dumb bum sister is missing, nobody's making sense. And you never tell me anything. It's like I don't exist. Just because I'm only eight doesn't mean I don't understand things. Joe may be double figures, but look at the mess she's in. I don't disappear and cause trouble and that sort of stupid stuff. Dorothy, I did not tell her about the creatures. She had discovered them for herself long before I got here. What creatures? What's going on? Be quiet for a moment, Geoffrey, please. I have to explain something to your mum. You know as well as I do that it must be the way it's meant to be. Otherwise, she would not have seen them. You always blame me for stuff and it's not my doing. I'm not going to fight with you. We have to sort out what we can do. Geoffrey interrupted and demanded yet again that whatever they were talking about, he should know. This only threw a spanner in the works and Dorothy sat down with her head in her hands, sobbing. But Mum, what's this all about? She's my dumb sister. I want to know. What creatures? Geoffrey, perhaps it would be a good idea if you stayed at your friend's tonight. Your mum is under a lot of stress and it's making her imagine things. Geoffrey was not at all convinced with Pepper's explanation and ran upstairs to pack... He had just been given permission to have a sleepover on a school night and was not going to argue the fact. That sister of mine is a fathead. But I get to have a sleepover, so I'm on her side wherever she is. After Geoffrey was safely next door, Pepper sat down next to her sister to talk to her about Joe and the creatures. Dorothy, Joe is astounding for such a young girl. She takes everything in her stride. The creatures have welcomed her into the village and she has the respect and love of everyone. She helps me heal the animals and asks so many questions. In fact, she reminds me of me when I was young. She's even been able to travel a few times. A bit shaky, but still more advanced than I would have thought for a ten-year-old. You mean she has travelled? You let her travel by herself? You know how dangerous that can be. She may end up anywhere. And you say Iki is missing. She's a young creature, is she not? probably unable to get back from wherever they are. Let me get this right. You think they have travelled somewhere and something has gone wrong, don't you? It did cross my mind, and there seems no other explanation. Think about it, they're both missing. And believe me, together they are a handful. Joe's dream to discover anything not discovered has become an obsession. And Iki's so fond of her that she could have been talked into anything. Joe was so upset when she found out I knew about the creatures and it wasn't a new discovery. Let's face it, Joe's always been able to hide what she really thinks. Even I sometimes get mixed messages from her and I can read her mind. 
The fire is still burning inside of her. She's driven to be famous for some kind of discovery. I told her that she has all her life to discover things. But I can tell you now, her reason would be so that she can look after you and Geoffrey. I know she feels so sad that her dad died, which left you to bring them up by yourself. She wants to help and make your life a little easier. Bring in the money so you don't have to work so much. Very honourable if you ask me, don't you think? Remember, she thinks she's all grown up now she's ten. Oh gosh, I feel terrible. I never thought that I had asked so much of her. I guess because she's the eldest, I do tend to get her to help me with stuff around the house. Dorothy, you don't ask too much. She has a great life. And remember, children should help their parents around the house a little. It teaches them to be responsible and good adults. We had to do a lot more than the kids do now. If you calmed down and remembered, you had to cover for me because I was a little rat bag and took off. I'll never forget when we both jumped into those huge undies hung on the clothesline. We swung around and around until the pegs let fly and we both landed on our backsides laughing our heads off. Mum was so mad that she made us wash the bloomers with a bar of soap until all the stains were out. Boy, she had a fat bum. And those bloomers were even bigger. Think about it. We both fitted into each leg. It was a bit of a hoot, don't you think? We were wild and free. And when we became teenagers, boy, did we play up. They never knew the stuff we got into. And they probably would have had a fit if they had. One thing's for sure. We never did get the wooden spoon at all. It was all smoke and mirrors to frighten the you-know-what out of us. I'm sure Joe will be found. Uh, We just have to wait to see if they can travel back. You know, Pepper, it's probably good that Joe has discovered the creatures. That means so many beautiful people creatures to learn from and grow up with. We are truly blessed. Oh, let's hope she's not getting into the same kind of stuff we got into. Look, even if she did, it'd be okay. It was all harmless fun. Like skinny dipping in the creek and making cubby houses very high in the trees. Not to mention throwing mud pies at the boys that passed. We never smoked or drank or got into those terrible drugs. We were just kids, having harmless fun. Then when we were teenagers, we stood up for what was right. Somebody had to protest about the stupid war. And somebody had to look after the environment. It was cool when I tied myself to the huge gum tree they were going to cut down for a shopping mall. We saved the tree and even got into the local paper. I was famous for about five minutes and mum and dad were so mad they banned me from going out for a month. Didn't matter, as I snuck out anyway. And remember, you wrote those superb protest songs. Where are they now? They're probably hidden in a trunk in the attic. (laughs) I suppose I should go through everything up there and share it with Joe someday. That's if we can sort out a way to get her back. Maybe she's miles away, scared and in in a huge pickle. They decided that after dinner was over, they would brainstorm on what to do. When they went to bed, they decided to leave the light on in the kitchen in case they turned up. Who knows, maybe in the morning they would find the two scamps home and safe. Pepper waited until her sister was fast asleep and travelled back to the village to focus on a solution. The return to the village was as stressful as being at Joe's house. Pepper had to visit Iki's parents and calm them down too. Frederick Slurper Downs was a village baker and all through the day he had kept baking bread. It was the only thing he could do to calm his nerves. By the end of the day, his calm, no worries attitude had changed 
to fearful worry. Naughty Iki has probably travelled and ended up in Timbuktu. She's so predictable when it comes to getting herself into heaps of trouble. She always wants to travel somewhere when she's told not to. Gosh, it's been a trying day. I just have to find a solution. Where on earth could they be? You know, I think I can remember this happening a long time ago. Unfortunately, they never found the creature again. I'll have to look at the history books. Maybe it'll give me a clue on what actually happened. It was due to a slip in the time warp and the earth changes, I think. You know as well as I do that the earth is in a terrible mess. I feel because the earth is rotating differently now, maybe time is starting to change too. You often say how time seems to fly away. Maybe it is and there's truth in the saying. You mean the creature was never found again? Oh, this is terrible. What if Joe and Iki never come back? The consequences could be huge for the future. That means everybody's lives will be changed forever. And Dorothy has already lost Daniel in the war. How will she cope? I have never in all my years seen you so upset. Pepper, I'm sure we can find a solution and we won't stop trying until we find them. What do you say? Things happen for a reason, so that's why this has happened. There must be a good slurp it downs reason. We just don't know it yet. Let me tell you a gulp of waters joke to bring a smile to your face. Why did the gulp of waters throw the clock out of the window? Oh, for gulp of waters sake, can't you find a better joke than that? It's so old it's got whiskers on it. Everybody knows it's to see if time flies. Well, it's sort of a stupid joke, but it worked. You're smiling. Wish I could throw the clock out of the window and change the time. Seems time is flying. And we still have no answer to this mystery. Pepper, remember our Slurp It Downs and Gulp of Waters motto. It's never ever give up and we gulp of waters won't. Back in Scotland, it was almost morning, still dark and icy cold. The two best friends were asleep and the only sound was the wind whipping the branches of the oaks. Or was it? There seemed to be a strange disturbance rattling the window ledge. The window pane started to move, and a mystical stage had been set for a dramatic entrance. One small dark elf crept into the room, giggling at the thought of the mischief he was about to perform. (laughs) Then he was followed by a second, just as enthusiastic, to cause trouble. Iki moved slightly, and the first elf jumped and stood very still, a statue of devilish proportion. (laughs) What were they up to? And why had they decided to pick the visitor's room? It was about to be the place of great disruption in the dead of the night. The second elf crawled up onto the bed. Something had caught his eye and it was rather appealing. Joe's aunt had given her a copper bangle, one that had healing powers. She had collected it on one of her world trips and it was precious to Joe. The elf called to his friend to join him on the bed and help him steal the bangle. He needed help to pull the bangle from the girl's arm. His eyes were sparkling and his heart was full of joy at the thought of owning such a valuable bangle. Joe moved and the two fell flat to the bedsheets and waited for the right time to pounce. The moon lit the bed up so the elves knew that this was their moment to gain something precious for their collection of stolen goods. Together, 
They started to pull and push the bangle down Joe's arm, twisting it lower over her wrist. Suddenly, the bangle flew into the air and landed in the fireplace. The elves hurled off the bed, falling over each other to retrieve the bangle from the hot coals. Joe woke up and the elves squealed in fright, still poking into the fire for the bangle. As Joe sat up, the devilish dark elves managed to grab the bangle and dashed for the window. Eeky stirred as the elves jumped out of the window and ran into the dark. They were lucky the moon had disappeared behind the night clouds at just the right time. Oh no! They've stolen my bangle! Oh! <laughs> With that, Eeky jumped up, squeezed through the window and dashed after them. Joe decided to alert others and get some help. Creeping down the hall, she managed to find Seamus' room. Knocking on the wooden door, she wondered what the reaction was going to be when Seamus found out that Iki was outside in the foul weather. Earlier in the day, they had been warned not to venture out at night as it was full of danger. Seamus was sleepy when he answered the knock, but there was an injection of energy when he saw the look of fear on Joe's face. Call the elders of all the clans and get together a search party. It's about time the dark elves are made accountable for all the trouble they caused the town. With a blood-curdling shrill, he screamed and ran into the town. Mary woke and hurried into the village to ring the bell. Soon, every creature of every clan would be awake and alert to answer the call. They had to chase after the blighters and retrieve Iki and hopefully the stolen bangle. Nothing will stop us from getting the bangle back. Truckle with the elves, or they take too many things that Danae belong to them. We must find them before the morn. Joe was surprised at the anger that surrounded the village. Most of the Mac Gulper and Mac Slurpers were ready for a fight. They were dressed in Scottish battle dress with shields and sticks and others carried burning torches to light the way into battle. They all looked so fierce and were ready to join the fight. Meanwhile, Iki was still chasing the dark elves. She was sopping wet and determined to catch them so that she could retrieve the bangle and go home to a warm bed. Nobody steals from my best friend and gets away with it. The moon was playing tricks. Every now and then it disappeared behind some clouds, turning off the only light to illuminate her path. Iki would get cranky and start to yell for it to come back to help. Stupid moon! Why can't it stick out for me? It would if we were in Australia. Can't understand the Scottish moon! Iki thought that each country had its own moon and stars, and this one was playing up. Giggles could be heard over here, over there, through some bushes and under some rocks. The anticipation brought on horror, as every now and then red glowing eyes dashed past, and scurried through the foliage, teasing and tempting her. They were quick, evil and rodent-like, and they darted about, delighted in frightening the little slurper downs. I just have to get my best friend's bangle. With a loud crack, she fell, tumbling fast and terrified down a dark shaft which had slimy edges and tangled, tortured roots. She fell further and faster now, rolling and spilling the contents of her stomach. Dizzy and queasy and scared, she held her breath and waited for the journey to end. Bang, thud, 
She hit the bottom of a wet, greasy well. The elves raced to a wooden door, slammed it, and then they were gone. Iki's heart raced. She was in shock, lying at the bottom where it was damp and dark, bruised and angry. She picked herself up, brushed the slime from her fur, and attempted to open the large door. It was shut tight. No way to get in, and no way to climb up to the earth's surface. Trapped, like a rat, in an unwelcome, dark place. Realising she had lost the chance to retrieve the bangle, she sat bewildered. Suddenly, she remembered that she could travel. But did she have the nerve? Memories of her last travelling experience came back. She pulled herself together and decided to try. I wonder if I'm strong enough and smart enough to travel up the hole to the surface. I may end up somewhere else in the world. Iki decided there was nothing to lose. She couldn't stay where she was. And maybe everything would go okay considering there was only herself to travel. Iki took a deep breath and started to chant her travelling song. Golden rays of light lit up her way and swirled around her body, gently lifting her to the surface. The beautiful light soothed and healed her as she rose further up the dark passage. Oh gosh, it looks like I really can do things after all. Just need to have confidence in myself. Hooroo, silly galoos, I'm off! Nobody could hear her. They were all back in their underground kingdom, overjoyed at collecting another valuable piece of stolen property. In the meantime, the other Mac Gulpers and Mac Slurpers were well on their way. Nothing was going to stop them from attacking the Dark Elves. This night had been the last straw. Too much was at stake. They had to stand up to the devilish foes. Their intent was to destroy them and retrieve everything that had been stolen from the village. Mary took Joe inside and warmed up some milk. She knew how worried she was and insisted Iki would be okay. Sitting with a blanket around her shoulders in front of the kitchen fire, Joe wished that Iki would find her way back soon. She felt bad that her bangle had started a war. When I was a little girl, I believed in fairy tales. I wished my toys would come to life and that my stories could be real. Then through all the noise and confusion, I believed it was all an illusion. The world had faded black and white, nothing seemed to you have just been listening to the Mysteries of Cork Upper Ripple Creek audio tales based on the children's book by Australian author Susan Pease. To find out more about these stories or to purchase hard copies, please visit susan-pease.com. That's S-U-S-A-N-P-E-A-S-E.com. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on the next magical instalment of the Mysteries of Cork Upper Ripple Creek. Listen, enjoy and learn tips on saving the planet. That is a Slurp It Downs and Gulp Waters fact. This has been a Corky's Group Production 2022. All rights reserved. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>